Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. You know, when I was, um, I think I was about 15 or 16, I, I, I was rugby mad. I used to love playing rugby. And um, I was okay at it. I was, uh, I was team leader for the scrum and I, I played as a, a back row forward, if anybody knows anything about rugby, open side flanker, and I loved it. And I remember I played a couple of games and towards the end of the season, uh, one of the, a guy came up to me and asked me if I would consider coming and joining the, the Merthyr team to play for Merthyr Tidville Town. Um, you know, obviously very famous. You're all thinking of the, all the Merthyr greats through the years. And uh, I was really, felt really pleased with that. And, um, but the, the challenge was they played on a Sunday morning. And uh, the matches were predominantly on a Sunday morning. So I remember going to talk to my dad, who's sitting back there this morning. Hi, Dad. And um, you should go and say hello to him at the end. He's a very nice bloke. His name's Ian, and he's married to a wonderful lady called Jill. That's my mother, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Guys, do I have to spell all of this out for you? Seriously. <clears throat> and I remember going to talk to my dad about it and said, and, and just the conversation was, well, what, my dad asked, what do you think you should do? And reluctantly, but in my heart of hearts, I knew that if I did that, I would no longer go to church on a Sunday morning. And what had been modeled for me growing up by my parents was how important gathering was. And I wasn't willing to sacrifice that. Even at that age, I, I knew that wasn't going to be the best for me. I was, it was privileged to be asked, but it wasn't going to be the best. And so I didn't pursue that opportunity because gathering with the church was more important. A few years later, I kind of lost interest in playing rugby. I was 17, 18, I just shifted. I didn't have the same passion for it. And, and I thought after that, you know, if, if I'd have given up two years of choosing to be with the church on a Sunday, and church is more than Sunday gatherings, but Sunday gatherings are so important for us. What would I have missed out on? And, uh, and actually, I thought about that when I was about 21, 22, because between the ages of 19 and 20, 21, for a couple of years when I was at university, I did neglect meeting with the church. And in my whole Christian life, grew up in a Christian home, um, was born again at three months, led my parents to Christ at six months. <laughs> Just checking to see if you're listening. Uh, I was probably about three or four, very young faith. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was seven. Still took another three years for my parents to be convinced that I was ready to be baptized in water, but we'll t we, we've, we've dealt with that now, so it's okay. <laughs> Throughout my Christian life, I've known God is real, and I've known Jesus is Lord, and my parents have modeled something of the significance and the importance of gathering together, being at the heart of the Christian faith and the Christian walk. It's what, one of the things that defines us. And in those two years at university, when I gave up gathering, and I put other things first. Initially, there were legitimate reasons for that. It was difficult for me to get to church meetings when I was in Cardiff. But I look back and I knew that those two years were wilderness years for me in my faith. That spiritually, I suffered. I didn't suffer socially. I didn't suffer academically. I didn't suffer physically. But in my faith, in my spirit, I suffered. And as a result, I remember looking back at a couple of years and I just thought, what have I done? I'd moved away from my relationship with God. I still believed he was real. I still would sometimes read my Bible, but I wasn't joining myself with other Christian brothers and sisters. And as soon as people started to get around me again and pulled me back into that, and I recommitted my life to God, I was determined from that point onwards, I will never give up meeting with the church again. 
It will always be the first thing that I do. It will always be my priority. Even if I don't feel like it. Sorry. Even when I don't feel like it. Even if other things sometimes might seem more preferable, like doing nothing. I'm determined to meet. And you know, lockdown prevented us from gathering. And I believe we need to regather the significance and the importance of the priority of meeting together again. I understand that there are legitimate reasons at the moment why some people can't be here. I'm not talking about those specific individuals or instances. And if you're watching at home, it's wonderful that you can join us in this way. But for every single person that can be here, please. I mean, I'm speaking to the choir. Look, have a look around the room this morning at other people that have chosen to be here and gather with you. Have a little look. Don't be shy. I, I'm, I can see everybody. And trust me, everybody looks lovely. Some are even smiling. It's amazing. But we've chosen to be together this morning. And um, I, I, I put a, a slide up. Um, are you a muskoxen or a bison? We'll get there in a second. But if we just go back one to Esther 4, because on the, uh, on the... Could you put the verses from Esther 4 up for us, please? David referred to this last Sunday. David did a fantastic job last Sunday envisioning us and challenging us to step up in this time. And the verses are up on the screen and apparently it's a sneaky little book is Esther. But it's not that sneaky. If you get to Job and just go back towards Genesis a bit, you'll find it. And uh, it says this, in the story we know that um, the Jews, including Esther, Esther's a Jewish lady who's become queen and King Xerxes, the king of Persia, has made her his queen but he doesn't know that she's Jewish. And in the background, there's a man called Haman. He's an anti-Semite. He hates the Jewish people and he's trying to wipe them off the face of the planet. And Mordecai, Esther's cousin or uncle, um, speaks to Esther and says, you are the one that can change the fortunes of the whole of the Jewish race. You can do this because you have access to the king, the one person who has the authority to either wipe us out or save us. And Mordecai says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place and you and your relatives will die. But who knows, sorry, but who knows if perhaps you were made queen or you were brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. It was a time of jeopardy and peril and danger and trouble and challenge. And so what's the first thing that Esther says to Mordecai to do? in the face of challenge, in the face of difficulty, in the face of trouble, in the face of potential certain death. Potential certain death, is that a thing? What does she say to do? Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together. Go and gather together. All the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in and see the king. If I must die, I must die. In the face of adversity and challenge, what's the counsel? What's the instruction? Go and gather together. Jump forwards, what, 500 years, 500 maybe years, 480, 500 years. The time of adversity in Acts 4. God's people are facing persecution, difficulty, danger, challenge opposition, peril, 
Peter and John have been imprisoned and as they're released, where's the first place they go? They gather together with the rest of the church and the church gathers at this time and says, Lord, help. Give us boldness. Show your mighty hand. Move on our behalf. In the face of challenge and adversity and difficulty, they don't scatter. They don't go their own way and try and sort themselves out. No, they gather together. These are times of trouble, aren't they? Does anybody notice there's a bit of peril out there? We might be slightly removed from that a little bit, but in the world, there's all sorts of things going on. Now is the time for us as God's people to gather together. The, the, the musk oxen and the bison. Um, does anybody hear a bison? Could you just give me a wave? Does anybody hear a musk oxen? You're all musk oxen, actually. I'm not just saying that. I'm trying to back to you up. Now, I watched the, an episode on the frozen planet and then another one that um, was the blue planet, I think. And David Attenborough covered the, the lives of these two different types of beasts of burden, if you like. And in the bison situation, you see wolves attacking a herd of bison. And they're in the snow and in the tundra. And, and in this story, the, or in, what you see happening is as the wolves attack, the bisons run. They charge away. And as they charge away, they kind of run off in single file. And there's a little, poor little baby bison. Little baby bison. You just pick him up and cut him. And as he runs, the wolves catch him. And, and the bison is sort of struggling to, to get away from these wolves. And then in the back, just, you see a big bison coming just behind. And you think, finally, this bison is going to do something for the baby bison. And instead, what it does is it barges the baby bison over and keeps on running. It's not funny, David. <laughs> I will hook you up some bison burgers later, though. And then in a different episode... There are musk oxen out on the fields in the plains and wolves attack again and they, they run and a small um, musk oxen is attacked by these wolves and the wolves are all over it and you see the musk oxen stop and look back at what's happening and they literally form a line and they charge back towards this little baby musk oxen and they surround it and literally they are all facing outwards with their horns and the wolves are on the outside and there's this little musk oxen in the middle that's been protected. Isn't that nice? Yeah, exactly, Linda, thank you. Linda's chuffed. And, and there's just, a, just this contrast between those that are willing to gather and those that are scattering. Now is the time to gather. Because here's the thing, I need you. I need you. And you need me. And we need one another for such a time as this. And for us to understand the power and the significance of our gathering. You know, at the beginning of Acts, Acts 2, David referred to this last week, when the church was gathered together in one place. In fact, that's what Luke says. They were all together in one place. He didn't say they were all in one place or they were together in one place. He said they were all together in one place. Day 50, Jesus had, since Jesus had, had died and risen again, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. And David referred back to when Jesus comes out of the waters of baptism three years earlier. 
And as he comes out of the waters of baptism, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and God speaks as he sees his son in perfect obedience speak, this is my beloved son, I delight in him. Here's the spirit to empower you for mission. And then three years on, the bride, the church is gathered together in obedience and God from heaven and the son from heaven speak and send the Holy Spirit and say, I delight in you. Now be empowered for your mission. And it's never changed ever since. Just want to say this. Do you know that meeting with other believers does you good? Yes. Do you know that meeting with other believers blesses you? Yes. Do you know also this, that when we meet together, it does God good? Yes. That it blesses Him? Yes. You know, when, for Sarah and I, when our children choose to be together, when they choose above other things to be together, I don't think there are many things that make my heart more joyful than seeing my children choose to be together. They could be doing other things, but they show an interest in one another. They're blushing a bit now, but, but to choose to be together, just spontaneously, I, I'm so blessed by that. And then they choose to be together and with me. I'm even more blessed by that. Imagine what it does for our father's heart when he sees his children choose. They've sacrificed other things. They've chosen to lay other things aside. They may not feel like being there. They may feel like they're not good enough to be there. They may feel like everybody else is doing great and they're not doing great and so they'll wait until they sort themselves out and then they'll go. But instead they get over that, those things. Maybe there's an anxiety sometimes they feel about gathering. They get over that because they know that to be together is good for them. And more than that, it blesses their father. God is looking on us this morning and he's blessed. He's pleased. You just put the next couple of verses up. We're just going to quickly read these and then we're going to come back into worship. But Peter says this in 1 Peter 2. You are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people but he was chosen by God for great honour. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As I stood up there this morning, I watched living stones gather. And I watched the living stones assemble themselves in this place this morning to offer spiritual sacrifices to please God. And I could just feel God's joy, God's heart, and the desire of the Holy Spirit to say, I want to be there. I want to be there. Ephesians 2, the next slide, please. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. And we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Though you Gentiles are also being made part of, sorry, through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Can I just ask you just to look around the room again for a moment? I know sometimes this can feel a bit awkward. But what you're looking at right now are living stones. Living stones. What you're looking at right now is are citizens of God's holy people. What I'm looking at right now is God's family. 
What I'm looking at right now is God's house. Just ask you to close your eyes for a moment, please. I know, look around the room. Now close your eyes. Seriously, Rich, stop being so. Just close your eyes for a moment, please. Because here's the thing. As we are gathered together, as we as living stones gather, he joins us, he does the joining, and he does the filling. And he fills us, fills this place with his Holy Spirit. You know, as we gather together like this, there's angelic visitation and ministry. Angels love to move around in the gathered church. The will of the Spirit, the angels move and minister and strengthen. If you need strength this morning, there's angelic visitation for you to strengthen you. If you need to be encouraged this morning, there are angels here this morning that are all geared up to come and bring you encouragement, to minister peace. The Spirit has His way. He directs every movement, every thing that takes place in the body. Holy Spirit, we recognize your presence with us this morning. That even if we don't quite feel it yet, we know that the word says that as we are joined together, that we become a place where you live, where you dwell, where you visit this morning. And Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence with us. We acknowledge that heaven and earth are meeting in this place, that the church is the gateway to heaven. And Lord, we ask that as we gather around you, Jesus, as we gather together to worship you, Lord, that Lord, that you would have your way among us. That Lord, that as we boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus, that, Lord, that we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, that because of those things, we come right into your presence this morning. Right into your presence with sincere hearts, fully trusting you. Lord, we thank you that our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. And that we can hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Because, God, you can be trusted to keep your promise. And Lord, this morning we choose to think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And Lord, we as your people today have chosen not to neglect meeting together. But Lord, we're here to encourage one another, especially as the day of your return, Jesus, is drawing close. Lord, we thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.